as we find ourselves once more flashing back to the day where Luna and the others emerged from Barasurak's realm, successful in their first endeavor, striking down yet another of the Valor aspects. In the tavern's parlor, Luna addresses them all, promising her return, and then departs. Lerotz has a brief interaction with Val before retiring for the night. The following morning, he finds himself reinvigorated, but alone, in his quaint quarters. Of supreme importance to Lerotz over these last years has been his tavern that continues today. Walking by, he wakes up before the crack of dawn. His companion's still asleep. He checks to see that Val managed to put himself into a fitful sleep last night, so he heats up a nice glass of milk to put by his bedside table. Checking on the others, he sees to their needs individually. Anything that could be useful to start off, and he goes out to the back yard of the tavern there, begins his daily exercise routine, and lives much of his life the same way, content to jog a little bit, read some poetry, some of it good, some of it terrible. If it was terrible, it was probably written by him. About a week and a half later, he goes, seeing Rolandir, goes to speak with him. Eh, Rolandir, how, how are you doing? Rots, my friend, very well. Well, as well as one can in these times, but given the rest, I'm doing well. How about yourself? Uh, absolutely fine. Val's able to patch me up well enough, and uh, I won't say that I've gotten better at poetry, but I still do enjoy it. I say, man, we haven't caught up since your last journey. I need to go down to the smithy and grab my new weapon. Would you accompany me? I would love to. I noticed your old one. I'm very sorry it got destroyed when we fought the aspect, so I'd love to see what you've chosen. Tragic indeed. Did you know that with that very blade I struck down the horrid thing, Gore the Barbarous? He fought my host for a whole fortnight, the lines ebbing and flowing like the tide, until I was there standing in front of him, challenging him to combat, honorable combat. The snake brought six other men with him, but I hewn them down like oaks in a forest. He was the last to feel the bite of my blade. As his lifeblood bled out, I could only spit in his face, the disgusting barbarian. He lacked honor. But you, you are one of honor. Come, grab your things. Let's make history with this new blade of mine. And Rolander, who had only been partially paying attention after listening to the same story for 45 years on end, <laughs> it accompanies him out the door to the shop. Um, so Lerotz, you know, he begins to lead the way. So, my friend, I feel closer to you now than most of the others. Seeing you for all these years, how was your latest journey? Honestly, it was rather successful. As you know, I've been working with the Elfkin Intelligence Branch. It's been more difficult than I'd expected to track down the mark. Fortunately, the scouts that I'd sent out ahead, they had done what I had asked, and I was able to follow along the path some time ago, up until the point when we lost Vamok, and I wasn't able to keep up for long, but I do have a good idea now where this chasm is that we spoke and saw him in last we saw. Excellent, excellent indeed. 
That will be useful information moving forward. Uh, I must tell you something, my friend. I'm uh, getting older, my friend. Don't tell the others this unless you want me to beat you, silly. But I don't know how much more I have in me. I'm not confident that I will emerge from these fights with these aspects. Uh, when you are an Elfkin and you reach this age, it is uh, a pleasure and a burden. It's honorable, but everything depends on you working, you contributing. And I find myself lacking in many accounts. It's hard. It's for the last ten years or so. I wake up with an ache in my bones, and it doesn't go away. I, I'm afraid of where this will leave me. You, these others, you're young, fit, able-bodied still. And here I am, withering, like the grain left on the stock too long, dried out and cracked. Oh, ignore my musings there, sorry. I'll dampen the occasion, no, no. I was about to say, you sound as if you're about to keel over in the morrow. Uh, don't tempt me. <laughs> uh, no, no. A new weapon is always a cause for celebration. Come, this master smith indubitably cooked up something nice for us. And then Lerotz enters into the uh, the smith's shop. I'm not going to say with the fanfare, but he knows boisterously opens up the door. Again, he is considerably thin and weak-looking. So, you know, he b- opens up the door and he just says, All right. I said a week. I've given you a week and a half. How has it come? And the the timid shopkeep, a smile on his face, greets you warmly and says, My lord commander, you will be most pleased. And he retrieves from behind the counter a long shaft topped with the most elegant of blades, engraved steel, the shaft itself a thick wood ingrained with metal and ornamental etchings, more akin to older elvkin tongue than modern, and he presents it forth to you, this new glaive. Lerotz uh, secures the glaive, you know, takes a moment to, to analyze it, to look at every facet. He looks at the characters uh, inscribed on it, and then he goes to an area in the back of the shop. It's generally used for forging, but it's just rather large and open. Um, so he goes and he starts giving it through a couple of practice swings, you know, above and around. And as he goes, the forms get increasingly complicated and complicated um, as he's kind of putting it through the task. And he's going and he's going and he's going and he's going. As the forms go, you know, it's kind of got that classic, you know, the fight as a dance type of look going on. Definitely more flashy than functional, but he's going through it currently. And then just to end it all up, he does one quick spin. Anyone who was paying attention, which depends on how interested Reese was in what he was doing. Oh, he's very interested at this point. Okay, so the blade flies so close to his head that it looks like he's going to hit himself with it. But it stops quickly, and as you all know, Lerotz did have hair, but he has, for the last week, been letting his beard grow out again, and he just shaves perfectly the side of his head, just straight down it. And then he turns and he says, I guess it can shave the hair without hurting the flesh. An excellent blade. And the intent 
Yes, yes. You will find that this blade is able to manifest certain properties that you wish upon it for an amount of time. However, that would not harm the blade. Of course, once said time is run out, these properties will fade. But whatever enemy you come across, this blade will exploit its weakness. (sighs) Excellent. I do like a property every now and then. I tell you what, lad. How old is this guy? 60s, maybe. Young. Okay. I'll tell you what, lad. Head down to the tavern today, right here. I'll make sure it's on me. Bring anyone you like. A weapon this fine deserves a proper reward. Go right on there. Shall we head back? Indeed. And may I? And he holds out his hand to examine the glaive. Uh, he hands over the glaive. And giving it a good inspection, he says while staring, Now, given all that talk you said on our way here, I don't suppose you're planning on letting this thing rust hanging up in your tavern, are you? (laughs) No, no. I don't think I'm one who would go out without a fight now. Just, sometimes I wonder, what have I left behind? Goodness me! How long have we been walking? My, uh, hurry, hurry, we must get back, hurry! And um, he takes the glaive, and he's using it, like you can tell he's putting a little bit of weight, almost walking staff weight on the glaive, but they're booking it down the road as fast as an old man can book. And he's booking it down the road (laughs) to get back to his tavern. Because as he arrives at his tavern, um, what you hadn't noticed is that he, in fact, had some bread in the oven. So he goes over and he's like, "Did it burn? Did it burn?" And you see him. He pulls it out, takes it out. You know, on his little, the, those giant spatula things they use in earthen ovens. Takes it out, pulls it out. A little tap. Oh no, no, perfect. There's this one. I've been taking care of this sourdough starter for the last thirty years. <laughs> Ever since I got this tavern, <laughs> this particular vintage, I expect to be most fine. Come, Randia. Sit down. Share a slice with me. I have the most delightful jam that we can eat on it. And he comes over. Fresh loaf of bread. Delightful, deep red-colored jam. And a healthy slab of butter. Ready to share some great food and talk. After a delightful conversation with uh, Randia really enjoying their time, Lirotz continued on throughout the week, you know, just trying to do what he could to take care of all of his companions. And he heard through the grapevine that uh, Mick and Bernier were having a big concert and never wanting to be one to not uh, not help out. He decided to go and provide a little support after hearing just an absolutely astounding piece of music. Really something worthy of the greatest of all great kin artists. That uh, got his mind to thinking. And the next afternoon sees Mick kind of lazily hanging out at the bar, relaxing. Goes up to him and uh, asks a couple of questions. Uh, you there, Nicholas. <laughs> yes, that is my full name. How did you know? I have a knack for these things, you know. I, I was wondering if I could impose upon you for a few moments. Maybe talk something over with you. Impose, please. It will be a delight and a pleasure. What's on your mind? Well, Nicholas, I am 
what one might call elder in years. And I have, these last few decades, been deeply enjoying the delightful rhymes and the cadence of poetry. It really stirs the soul. And I, well, I must say, I was overcome by your exquisite performance yesterday. That glorious song was just delightful, and I think it captured you so well, doing just enough justice to Mickey's character without overindulging in self-aggrandizement. And I was wondering if you would be interested in maybe recording some of my adventures in song form. Well, Leroth, I would be so happy to do as such. Where do we begin? Well, I don't know. Why don't you explain your creative process? You know, I am, uh, I have at times tempted to put myself into verse, and, uh, let's just say the critics aren't very interested in what I have written. I did get a small volume published uh, about 20 years ago, but sales were not exactly what I'd hoped for. And uh, here I remain. How do you come up with such a delightful rhyme and scheme of such really sticks in your mind? Why, even now, I can't help but think of good, courageous, compassionate Mickey. I guess it starts from, well, I guess thinking about the most definable characteristics of someone. In your case, Lerotz, what would you say is your most defining characteristic? Well, uh, do you mean physically, intellectually, emotionally? All of the above. Oh, yes, especially the last one. Yes. Well, some have said that my voice is like the sweet sound of a river flowing gently toward the ocean. This is great. Let me get this down. Others have said that my jaws chiseled by the ethereals themselves. Ah, uh, when my younger days, you know. It was often said that my physique caused great jealousy in the men and women. Now listen to this. My physique caused great jealousy in both men and the women. How do you, how do you think of that? I, I just, that was, that was stunning. It's you. You took the soul of the words out of my mouth and put them into the air for all to enjoy. I I was moved by them. Do you think it best we proceed with some sort of count of my many and regal tales or focus on more general and interesting moments of more recent times? I prefer both, personally. Well, have I ever told you the story of when I killed Thrangur the Barbaric? (laughs) (laughs) Um, you might have once or twice. Ah, Well, that was boring anyways. Here, how about this one? Have I ever recounted to you the rout of the great Sintarin and his ten thousand horses? Now that's a new one. Please, carry on. All right, well... Now it should be about 1,200 years ago. I was but a lad. Uh, Young indeed. Merely a battalion lord. Moving my way up in the military when I was faced with a most terrible, terrible decision. Sintarin was a human barbarian. He led the force 
of ten thousand horsemen. He spent years raiding different parts of the Kinlands. I, we had fought him for years, but we could never stick him to a certain place, catch him somewhere where he would not be able to free. He always managed to slip through our grasp, until one day, there I was, and the solitary pass between the mountains. He had been routed shortly before, and the Kinnish army had pushed him back, a coward like the rest of those humans at the time. He ran whenever the fighting got tough, and he ran straight into my battalion. Me and my thousand soldiers were the only thing standing between him and freedom. No, I'm no coward, as you know. Nor were any of my men but ten thousand horsemen against one thousand kin. It was going to be a hard battle, and one we were not looking forward to. But the day was the day, and our duty was ours. So there we stood, pikes in front, swords in back, archers on the mountains. It was horrific, I'll say staring down the face of those charging horsemen. They were cowards, I say, but they didn't have a certain courage to them. And left the travel light, they charged into battle wearing nothing, fighting us kin, armed and armored, only in their skin. But their horses were a thing of beauty. Thunderous beasts. They're easily two and a half meters tall. Truly something that would rout a weaker foe. But there we stood. Uh, I knew this might have been the end of me, and I knew that if I was going to help these men, I'd have to lead them from the front. I'm no coward, but I do know the wisdom of leading from the rear, but in this moment, I could see the fear on those young men's eyes, and I knew it was time. Grabbing a pike and standing before them, we held our strength during the thunderous charge. It was hard, and we lost many men, but we held on. Wave after wave they came, and slowly our thousand dwindled. First eight hundred, then down three hundred defenders. We were lined up, two deep, pikes forward, and the last, last charge. We had fought hard, and we had cost a heavy toll. That charge nearly broke us. And then, deep behind the plains, we could hear the horns of the Kin army coming down. Invigorated and full of courage, I rallied the troops, calling on them once again. Hold those pikes still. They are the hammer, and we are the anvil. And we will triumph for this day. And there they came. A titanic wave upon our small troop. And there they fell, and not a single one of his wretched band survived. But there I found my first mount, a magnificent stallion, three meters tall, beautiful, thick-boned, with an illustrious white-coated hat. I rode that horse for nearly seventy years, long lived that breed, and when the day came to put him to pasture, I ensured that he roamed those last years in as close to paradise as I can give him. Le Rots, that was absolutely breathtaking. Some words that stood out to me were 10,000 horses, 
to one man. Love it. I ain't no coward. That could be a good tagline. I say we call this song The Last Charge of Les Rots. What do you think? That is just perfect. I couldn't have asked for anything more. That is truly glorious. I'll leave the details up to you, good Nicholas. I am sure that you will do it great justice. Thank you. Could I introduce you in a slice of sourdough bread? Of course, I was waiting for you to ask me. Smashing. I'll get to it. As Leroz and Mick continue to enjoy their evening of escapades long past, we flash back for the last time to the day where they all emerged victorious from the cellar of Leroz's tavern. Luna delivered her address, promised her return, and set off. We now turn to Brynjir. Standing, stoic, after the fight. After coming back from their battle in the realm of Barasurak, Brynir actually accompanied Mick for a short time as Mick went back to the Suicel estate, grabbed a few items himself, and then came back. One of the items Brynir had was a large sack that he had when he first met the group. And he had made, tried to make his way to see Rolandir, but he saw that Rolandir was busy, and he made his way back downstairs to the bar of the tavern where he saw Lorotz. Brynir looks to Lorotz and says, Hey, old man. Uh, were, you, were you talking to me? Yes, you're the only one here. Uh, I'm sorry, I just didn't realize I was old. Well, you're, you're looking a little bit thin from the last time that I saw you. Yes, I know. One might call me quite, uh, healthy for my age. Yes, you could say that. But is it your intention to stay with us and to to fight? Yeah, but of course. Uh, What is a warrior to do but fight? Then I think it would be best if we made it so you're able to endure the aspects of the Vey Laws. What do you say, old man? Are you up for a match? Ah, but of course. I think it's most just that you sought me out to help you finish your training. I must say, young lad, you fight with a passion that I have scarce seen before. But your form and execution leaves, uh, some to be desired. Rinier just gives a laugh. He says, yes, uh, very funny. Uh, I wasn't joking. Have you seen the way you hold that axe? Good gosh, man, your left hand is about to fall off. That's because I don't attack with my left hand, I attack with my right. Yes, so you fortify the blade with your left. Have you never fought with an axe before? Come, come, we have no time to waste. After making their way to the back area of the tavern, Brynir addresses the roads. So, would you prefer a fist fight or with weapons? Oh, young lad, you think we're going to be fighting with our fists on the battle? Isn't this not about preparation? I was just wondering if you wanted to warm up. You look a little sluggish today. No need. I woke up today and I needed 16 different loaves of bread. I dare say I've had more exercise than you. Very well. Uh, Great axe or warhammer? Hand me that axe. I'll show you how to properly wield this thing. Brynir tosses Lerotz the great axe and then they begin to spar. And as they're sparring, Brynir, during some kind of break moments, he is having a discussion with Lerotz. So, Lerotz... I must ask, why are you still with the humans? What do you mean? 
Well, from what Ifran has told me over the last month, you were in the realm of Vale, and now you're working with the humans. I remember what you were like when I first met you, but I don't see a reason why you would stay. Well, it's quite simple, honestly. It's work with you or be forced into retirement, and while I love my inn, there is something to be said for a more exciting life. But your distaste for humans was so grand. What what drives you? There's no reason. There, your life is at stake. Well, my life was lived and used up long ago. Honestly, anything I have now is just extra time. That's interesting. I've enjoyed your company until now. Yes, well, most of you humans are quite barbarous. Uh, several of your group has shown an honor and fealty that I find quite, uh, not just impressive, but inspiring. The stability and long-lived nature of the kin at times leads them to be more static than might be good. Having someone who is so fresh and dedicated has showed me the value of other perspectives. Forty years is a long time, even when you live five centuries. I'm not quite the lot that you knew. Though I'd like to say most of them are still in there. Yes, the the rots I knew would be much farther in this battle than he is now. Are you taking it easy on me? No, not at all. I just know that if I hit that axe too hard, it's going to fly right out and bre- cut off your toe. Hold it tighter there, lad. You keep it loose like that because you tighten it up at the end of the swing. But even on the defense, you need a tight grip. The battle continues on with Lorotz and Rainier until they come to a stop. Rainier says, You know, I think if we can continue this, with the time that we have left, I think we can get you back into better shape. I would appreciate it. I must say, these last few years taking care of this inn has, uh, maybe lowered my physical readiness to an extent that it hasn't been lowered since I was probably 25. But I tell you what, why don't you come in? I don't quite agree with your drinking habits in general, but I'd say after a fine bout like this, everyone deserves a nice ale. Oh yes indeed, but you know I've gotten much better since you first saw me. Yes, I'd say you lack the opportunity, but yes, I would agree indeed. Come, I'll serve you one up. Brynir goes inside with Lorotz and enjoys a nice ale with him and just continue to talk for a time. After a few days pass, Brynir decides that, you know, he hasn't seen much of Val and that from what he's heard of Val, that he's going through a lot and decides that it'd be best to check up on him. So Brynir heads up the stairs to the tavern and knocks on on the door of Val's room. Uh, Val will answer, looking even more disheveled than he did when Rolandir knocked. Val, if it's okay, I would like to speak with you. Uh, sure, yeah, Brynir, you may come in or do you want me to come out? I'll come in. All right. I know that you are experiencing some troubles grabbing a hold of what has happened especially with your mentor i wanted to let you know that you are not alone you are not the only one that has lost the people close to you 
I too have lost many people that are close to me, not my family, I am glad to say, but still, some of the most influential people in my life were lost due to my mistake. And so, what can I do for you? I know that it can be tough, and I know that you will practice, but sometimes it's good to talk about it. I, uh, uh, thank you, Brynir. I am, I am sorry to hear that you have lost people who are important to you. I am sorry more than anything that uh, the world is the way that it is. I, d- I don't know exactly what it is that you could do for me, uh, aside from all the things that you have already done. You are a good fighter, and I am... While we do not know each other very well, I am glad to have you here. I, I suppose what I would ask is that um, we work together to make the world better than it is now. That I can do, along with the Godborn, as it is my mission to protect him. I will make sure that this dream of yours can become a reality. It's very important to have goals, especially in times of chaos and unknowingness. I know it wasn't your choice to get involved with this, and I don't think it was any of our choices. I think there's definitely something greater at work here. So I ask you not to blame the others of this group. I know you haven't known me for long. I've only been around you for a couple of days, but I do feel a connection to you. I don't know what it is. Maybe it is loss that we both share, but I want you to know that you will be all right. And if you stick with us, no harm should come upon you. I will be there. Uh, can can Val hug Brynir? <laughs> Brynir returns the hug. I know that sometimes that I can be a bit short with people, but just know and don't tell the others this. I do it out of caringness for them. And then Brynir lets go of the embrace and heads out of the room. Val will say as he goes, your secret is safe with me. Finding some time in which Brynir could talk with Rolandir at length, he decides to make his approach to him. Rolandir, there are things that we must discuss that are crucial to my involvement with this group. Yes, I have been meaning to speak with you, actually. it's We haven't had any good time to really sit down and talk. P- please, and he gestures towards the table where they can sit and continue. As you know, I have spent the last month here with Mick and Ifron, and I've come to like and trust them very much. I, Ifron, even more so. Ifron knew my father, and if my father placed his trust in somebody, then it was well-deserved. This is hard for me to say, but there are things in my past in which have happened, in which I have caused the death of many of my friends, and I hope this doesn't, what I'm about to tell you, does not deter from what my true goal is. (laughs) Well, if it's any consolation and comfort to you, I have come, of course, over the past 45 years, but even before then, to try to be less judgmental of those I meet, regardless of what they may have done. People change. And so, please, what do you wish to say? Well, I don't think it's a matter of change, as in 
lack of ability to control oneself. I didn't know until I met you and your group actually, but those strings that were around Logos the Hang, the aspect of Aduinium, but I've seen those strings once before, and unfortunately those strings were attached to me. I don't remember all the details of what happened, but I was out on a regular patrol with my squad mates. I was a captain of sorts of the guard, and we were taking care of some bandits, but unfortunately my battle did not stop after we took care of the bandits. I blacked out, and I awoke after some time not being able to move my body and slaughtering my friends, even my, my best friend. Pondering on the words that Brynir is speaking, Rolander takes a swig of ale, which he's had, kind of resting on the table next to him, and now speaking to him says, I cannot imagine causing the death of those who I would call my friends. I find it hard enough taking the lives of any who choose to go against us. I, I am truly sorry, my friend, but one question I do have. You mentioned these strings of Aduinium. Do they still plague you, or are you free? That is what I wanted to bring up. There are times in which those strings seem to creep back. I can almost feel them attached sometimes. Sometimes I'm able to restrain it, but I know that I'm not always strong enough to do so, and that's why I would caution you and those around us of me and this unfortunate predicament. Well, I certainly am not one, as I said, to judge one for their vices or weaknesses, but this is a particular, shall I say, vulnerability that I think it would be wise to put as much effort as you can into controlling the forces which we are going against and which watch over us for better or worse need no more hold on us than they perhaps already have, and I would appreciate it personally, for all of our sakes. If, as you say, it is truly your purpose and calling to be the protector of the Godborn, and which I assume will mean that you are sticking with us through the things we surely must face. Absolutely. I've, if Efron says that you are Godborn, and from what I've seen of you, then you, regardless of whether or not you're from Sindor or Sereth, then I truly believe that you are Godborn. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, though, I still think it would be best if I presented you a gift from my father. He instructed me to give this to the Godborn, and Brynir goes away for a second, comes back with a large sack. Rolandir, this is my father's finest achievement. It is made of the strongest metals known in Agadon, and will not crumple like that flimsy stuff that you wore when you faced the aspect Volcus. And then Brynir pulls out a very ornate breastplate and other armor and presents it to Rolandir and says, This was to be for the god-born Ironbane, but I was too late getting to him. I do believe that it was made to fit his size, but you honestly seem like you could fit into it 
and even with a few small adjustments, I can get that done for you. Looking rather impressed at this armor that Brynir's pulling out of the sack, Rolandir kind of shakes himself free of just kind of staring at it in awe and then says, I would be most honored, of course, to wear this, and I think it would be fitting to do it in remembrance of your father. I'm sure you must miss your family and those who raised you and were with you very much. I do miss them, and I do wish I could see them again. We don't know what the future holds, but that is that is alright. As long as I can complete my mission with you, it'll be well worth it. This armor will serve to protect you when I cannot be there. So if you have any questions you would ask of me about my life, please do so. And then Brynir and Rolandir continue to talk well into the night. And as the next day comes, and they all seem to blend together eventually, we find ourselves once more with the entire party assembled, reveling in this one small moment of joy. At the conclusion of their two weeks, just having memorialized this picturesque moment, as Jolandir, still smiling, opens the door after a sturdy knock, his joy fades as he sees a figure standing before him. The face you see staring back at you is stoic and weathered, scorches of iridescent darkness around his eyes. Even with this disfigurement and the sleek ebony plate mail he's wearing, you recognize almost immediately Commander Ignalus of Yellowford. You've changed, Lieutenant. Let's hope you're still as sharp with that blade as you did when you weren't part of this shithole world. And then suddenly appearing behind him are one, two, then half a dozen, then two dozen tiny little rifts. Black and purple and teal energy crackling through the fabric of the world as more and more soldiers, clad just as he is, step through into the tavern gardens. <laughs>